Hey, powerhouse. I have a very special invitation just for you. I would love to invite you to the Powerhouse Lawyers Retreat happening September 27th through October 1st in beautiful Ocean Isle, North Carolina. The Powerhouse Lawyers Retreat is a life-changing experience that every single woman in law not only deserves, but needs. It's a four-night getaway in a luxurious oceanfront home with all of your needs taken care of in a house full of other powerhouse women who want the exact same things as you. It's more than a mastermind and more than a community and more than just networking connections. Powerhouse Lawyers Retreat is like nothing that's ever been done before in the legal profession. The only words that I can come up with to describe it are life-changing. And if you don't believe me, just ask any of the past attendees who describe it as lightning in a bottle. One of the best experiences of their life, changing the entire trajectory of their career and a solid differentiation point between life before and after the retreat. One thing is for sure, your life and you will never be the same. So come join us September 27th through October 1st in Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina. Spots are limited, so go grab yours. Head on over to eringuerner.com slash powerhouse hyphen lawyer hyphen retreat. See you there. I realized, gosh, I need to be doing something else that really makes me wake up happy to go do the work that I want to do. Are you an ambitious attorney who wants to build a life and career that you cannot wait to wake up for? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Powerhouse Lawyers, a podcast for the powerhouse in each of us. I'm your host, Erin Gurner, a former lawyer, wife, mom, and life coach. And I am on a mission to empower women in the law to define success on their terms by leveraging their unique superpowers to help them win in both law and life. Join me each week to hear inspiring stories, real talk, and the practical tips you need to redefine the toxic narratives that are keeping women overwhelmed trying to do it all. You are worthy and capable of building a life and career that you have always wanted. And I'm here to empower you along the way. So if you're ready to practice law differently, let's go. Hello, Powerhouse Lawyers. Welcome back to the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. I'm your host, Erin Gurner. And today I have a very, very special guest, my dear friend, Jessica Medina, who I absolutely adore. We've had so much fun together. We've worked together. We were at my retreat together a little over a month ago. So anyway, I just adore this woman. Her story is so powerful. I think she is one of the biggest badasses I know. And I just can't wait for you guys to learn more about her. But she is a former lawyer turned accredited financial counselor, and she's on a mission to help Attorneys figure out their finances so they can actually pursue their passions. And she graduated from Columbia Law School. This is where her story is like, you are just such a badass. As a single mom of twins, 
With over $200,000 in student loan debt, she took a stroll through big law. We all like to take a little stroll there. Also the federal government, and now she teaches lawyers how to use their money to finance their dreams. And to say that Jessica's services are needed is an understatement, truly, because I think lawyers have this story that we're bad with money or, you know, we've got golden handcuffs and we can't ever leave because we're making so much money. And I'm just so excited that you're changing the narrative and also doing that for women to put more money in their hands to know that they are capable of actually taking this money and building their dream. But I know you personally, and I know all these amazing things about you, but our viewers do not. So I would love if you would just take them through a stroll of law school, why you went to law school, and how this has come full circle for you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Erin. It's so exciting to be here with you on Powerhouse Lawyers. Uh, I love thinking of myself in that way. Even though I don't really practice anymore, I certainly help a lot of powerhouse lawyers out there. Uh, and I think a lot of what you said is so important for attorneys to hear over and over and over again. We have a story in our own head that we are terrible with money. Uh, many of us are, are terrified of asking questions about money. We think we should have more than we do. We think that we don't manage it well. And part of what I want to do is bring a lot of the financial education and the understanding of how to create financial wellness for yourself to the field for attorneys, because I didn't feel like I understood it when I was practicing. I am not coming to you as a lifelong personal finance expert. I am coming to you as someone who had to learn many of the lessons that my own clients are learning on their own journey. And so when I think about my own journey, gosh, there are lots of pieces. You hit a lot of the highlights, certainly some of the, the most uh, impactful, uh, you know, changes in my life. But like many of us, I knew I wanted to be a lawyer pretty early on in life. I was in high school. And so all of college was spent getting ready for law school because what do we do when we're good students? We just get ready for the next thing. And I showed up at law school hoping that I would be able to change the criminal justice system from the inside out. I wanted to be that compassionate prosecutor. I wanted to wear the white hat of being a government worker. I wanted to be in public service. And my path took a little bit of a turn. I was blessed with twins in my 2L year, uh, and I was raising them by myself. So once I added up the, uh, the numbers of my own life, gosh, single mom, outnumbered by my own children, $200,000 of student loan debt because I borrowed all the monies. When I graduated, going into the government didn't seem like a viable plan to be able to support my family and to be able to handle all of these obligations I had created for myself. And so big law really was my path. Thankfully, you know, I did well enough at school to be able to get offers and to have those opportunities. But I always thought, oh, I'll just go for a couple of years, right? I'll just get a couple of years under my belt and then I'll go to the government. And I think most of us enter law firm life with that idea that we're going to go do something else, right? Soon, right? We're not going to be there that long. And then we just get stuck. And that's what happened to me. And eight years went by. My children were practically teenagers and I hadn't really spent a lot of time with them. And that was a really hard realization for me to have about what my career really was, the kind of picture it was painting for me as a mother and for me as an attorney. Uh, and so I made the decision to cut the cord with my firm. I went over to the Securities and Exchange Commission. I had been doing that type of investigative work earlier in my, at my firm. And so it was a pretty easy transition in terms of this seems like a good fit. But I took a 50% pay cut to go over there and I wasn't really prepared for it. <laughs> uh, it was quite a shock to the system. And I can tell you my children were also shocked by many of the changes that we had to make. 
but it forced me to really take a hard look at my money and what I was doing with it, where it was going, how it was serving me. And being at the SEC, I'm kind of inundated with financial market information, but it was all the security stuff, right? The nasty underbelly, because I was in enforcement. So I was looking at all the bad financial professionals out there. But I ended up not really wanting to be a lawyer anymore. I realized leaving my firm was one thing, and I thought it would fix my malaise, shall we say, with my career. And going over to the government was great for a while. But then I realized, gosh, I just don't like the work. I need to be doing something else that really makes me wake up happy to go do the work that I want to do. And so I found this little corner of the financial industry where I am an accredited financial counselor. uh, And I don't deal with investments, which is amazing because (laughs) none of my friends at the SEC need to have any conversations with me. But I do help folks with all of the basic financial stuff that we all wish we had learned when we were younger, how to manage your own cash flow, the money coming in, the money going out, how to pay off debt, how to fund your long-term financial goals, how to think through the prioritization of all of those things, and how to do it when you might not have the typical career trajectory where you graduate from school and just continuously make more money over the course of your entire working life. And so putting all of those pieces together, I found that my favorite clients were attorneys. And so that's where I focus my attention. And I get to hang out with my favorite people all day and help them create their dream lives. Oh, my gosh. I love that. And I am a one, too, who could have used this advice. I mean, we all really could have. And I think about my husband and I, because my husband's also an attorney and us managing these student loans and paying them back and you know, all kinds of stories that we've told ourselves about money and how much money we should have and don't have and all of these things. So I just think that's such critical work and information that lawyers need because we are very, very intelligent people, but we feel a lot of guilt about not being good with money. Why do you think that is? I think you hit the nail on the head. We are the experts in the room, right? That is literally our job to know enough about the subject matter that we can ask really good questions, right? Even when we are working with expert witnesses, we have to become an expert in their subject matter in order to do the questioning appropriately, right? In order to see what the actual issues are. So when you spend your entire day sitting in a chair where other people are asking you for information and you always have the answers, it's so uncomfortable to be put in a position where you don't know what's going on and an area of your life where everyone assumes you have it easy and there isn't a lot for you to think about because all lawyers make so much money. Some of them do, but it's a fraction of the actual legal population. And I think it's one of those, you know, one of those bills you get sold to go to law school. Oh, you won't even have to worry about money. The money will take care of itself. And some of us go there because we don't want to be doing any math or learning any science, right? Like that, that actually isn't a myth. I was one of those people. It's many people. So we have this natural disinclination to really pay attention to things like numbers. And we were convinced that all of our money worries would go away once we became a lawyer. That was our number one job. And if we're going to figure this out, we might have to ask some other people. And that means that they'll know that we don't know what we're doing. And that's pretty much the worst thing that we could possibly do, right? As an attorney, we always have to be the expert. And so when you're trained, to only ask questions that you know the answer to, it's really hard to get vulnerable and ask for help in an arena where you think you should already know what you're doing. 
Well, that resonates with me so much. And I actually feel that like about my own personal journey with finances and the things my husband and I have been through over the last, you know, five or six years, that rings so true because there were so many times I was like, why would two intelligent attorneys end up in this situation? Like, how does this happen? Like, we're smart enough and educated enough. Why in the world would we have found ourselves here in it's that exact mentality that gets you there, right? Like it's because we didn't ask enough questions. We didn't protect ourselves in the way that we should have. Do you feel like your experience as a single mom of twins during law school gives you a unique understanding, motivation, passion in this place because this was something that was so huge and powerful in your life to pay over 200K of debt off to be able to leave a job that wasn't serving you, to be able to build an independent company that you're actually doing the thing that you like to do and love to do and serving the people that you love while being a mom. Like, how did that uniquely impact you to really serve your clients in a different way? So I will say it made me way more organized than I think I ever would be naturally. That got my act together real quick. When I had, you know, two babies to take care of and still a law school schedule to manage and an internship at a law firm to manage and then studying for the bar and all of those kinds of things. But what it also did is it really solidified what my true values were and it made it easier for me to make hard choices. Right. I didn't have or at least it didn't feel like. I had a lot of options on the table if I wasn't willing to give up huge pieces of my life. And so that constraint helped me really hone in on what was going to be most important for me at these different phases. And what's interesting is it changed over time, right? When I was first starting out on my career, being a single mom of twins made security very important to me. It was one of my top values. I needed to create that for me and my family in order to just just feel like we weren't going to be destitute, right? Or, you know, living in a basement somewhere with a relative, which for me would generally mean I need to live in the Dominican Republic. And so that wasn't going to happen. It's very difficult to practice law down there uh, with a U.S. bar license. But so, you know, that wasn't going to be an option for me. So figuring out how to satisfy that value was one of my top priorities. And that meant big law. Big Law was going to provide me the most monetary security that, that any, of anywhere else that I could possibly go. Because I'm old enough that we didn't have public service loan forgiveness back then. It wasn't an option. I actually had to pay back the loans. What's interesting is now, when I look back on my journey, people have asked me, you know, if the public service loan forgiveness program had been around when you graduated law school, would you have made a different decision? And that's a really hard question for me to answer because I might have, right? I might have been able to satisfy my need for security with my desire for public service because it wouldn't have been such an easy choice. Like, well, there's just no way I can pay. I can't afford to go anywhere else. But what I find fascinating about doing these types of values analyses and, you know, checking in with yourself over time, as my kids got older and I saw the horizon and shall we say the sunset of my time with them, I had built up some security already, and I also saw how important it was going to be for me to not be completely absent for the rest of their childhood. And that then outweighed the decision to just continuously try to like hoard more financial security over time. And so moving to the government made a lot of sense for me at that point in time. But I wouldn't have been able to make that decision 
earlier. And so what I think that does for me as a financial counselor is it allows me to walk my own clients through what their journey will look like and that there are going to be different inflection points where you might choose a different path. And so our job is to create as much flexibility as many times as we can over the course of your entire journey so you feel like you're getting all the things done that you need to get done in due time. You might not get them all done at once. It won't all happen immediately. But if you can see the entirety of the journey, you can be okay with where you are right now because you will know that in the next phase, these are the things that are going to happen. This is going to shift for you. This is You're going to have an opportunity to make a different decision. And part of what I want to do is create those spaces for my clients to feel like what they're doing right now, that, you know, with a couple of tweaks, we can, we can make it work and it's going to set them up for an even better next phase. And that is so important for lawyers. I think that we are drilled this narrative that we're completely dispensable, that there's someone waiting right behind us and that the only thing we are valuable to do and the only thing we can do is practice law. Right. And if we don't know the next best step, then that's not okay. Like we can't not have the next perfect setup. So, with that mentality, then you feel trapped. That's like exactly how you feel trapped because it's like, okay, well, I can't go anywhere else and make this kind of money. The only thing I know how to do is be a lawyer. So, I guess I'm going to have to stay here. And you offer these clients this unique perspective of being like, okay. We can make things work right now to set you up for the next phase, which may not be the forever. Everything's temporary. Everything's a season. And I love that you base your work in values. I'm assuming that you probably like me. We actually did this at the retreat with Jessica values exercise. But it is important because your values do change with time as your kids get older. Maybe you have kids or maybe you're caring for an elderly parent or whatever. And I think it's really important to check in with your values to make sure that you're still pouring into each of those cups. But I would like to ask you, what do you think maybe like the top two or three struggles that lawyers present to you when they come to you for your services? What are their challenges? So the biggest challenge that a lot of my clients come to me with are student loan debt. And part of the reason why it's such a challenge is because, number one, it is complicated, right? It's not rocket science, but it's also not intuitive. The student loan regime is very complicated. There are a lot of different moving parts, and I'm not sure if they designed it that way on purpose, but it certainly ended up that way after the over 30 years of permutations of different types of plans, applying to different types of loans, applying to different types of employment, applying to different types of students. And so... When you put all of that together, unless you want to become a student loan expert, you might have questions about how to deal with something like that. And then you couple that with the fact that law school debt is not typical student loan debt, right? The typical American student graduates with around $35,000 of student loans. The typical law school graduate has $145,000. And wow, that's the is average. That really what it is, Jessica, that, that is, is the insane. average. Right. And above average, as Ooh, are most of my was in private school. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Mine was bad, too. Goodness, I'm right. so sorry to interrupt you. That is just an egregious number. Ooh. And that, right, so that takes into account that the people who have zero, right, the people who maybe had help paying for law school or had scholarships and grants, et cetera. And so a lot of the guidance about student loan debt, although it is aimed at the general population, just has no 
point in being at being pointed at attorneys and law school debt because we are talking mortgage size debt, which means we do not use the same strategies to attack it. And so I am on a mission to change the way lawyers feel about their student loan debt. We're inundated with messages that you have to pay it off as quickly as possible. You know, this is a debt that you took on and that it's your personal responsibility to get rid of it. Otherwise, you're a terrible person. Number three, you can't get rid of it without still being a lawyer. I have a lot of clients who feel very guilty about even considering leaving a profession that they're still paying for, right? It's that push of, I took out the loans, I went to law school, I have to at least pay this debt back before I decide the law isn't for me. And what I tell people is, you will always have a lawyer mindset. No one is taking that JD away from you. Believe me, it's been reprogrammed up there. You'll never be the same. And you will bring all of the good and all of the harder parts about having a lawyer mindset to everything that you do. To be fair, most employers really like a lot of the things that you're going to bring to the table with your lawyer mindset, whether you're practicing or not. And so understanding that that was an investment that you made for the rest of your life means you get the rest of your life to pay it back. And it's okay. That's going to be okay. Right. So getting over some of the emotional aspects that get tied to student loan debt, I think that is a huge issue for so many attorneys. And then the other big issue that I see for attorneys is actually just having a fear of looking at their own numbers. Most of them are not Excel wizards. They're not pouring over their money all the time. It really is an issue of either complete terror of what they might find if they look at it or a bit of ambivalence that I make enough. Do I have to look at it? Like those are really the way that I find I find people either they are totally terrified to look because they believe there's something wrong in there or they're so comfortable you know, they're able to pay all their bills on time. Their credit card bills are paid off in full every month. But the question is, just because you can pay that bill, is that bill the right amount for the longer term goals that you may have? If you don't make that kind of money for the rest of your life, is that still going to work? Is that are all the choices that you're making now still going to pan out well? Those are the struggles that I see my clients having. And so I think being able to speak to someone who absolutely understands what their daily life feels like, what it feels like to be in practice, uh, the stress and the overwhelm that goes along with that, and someone who can take a bird's eye and detailed view of their money and give them some real guidance, it's exactly what they need. It's so powerful. I mean, Jessica, you know, we had a personal conversation about this. I'll share it with the viewers. I was the same way. Like, I didn't want to look. I didn't want to look because I didn't want to know because I have this mentality that I'm terrible with money and this whole money mind. Obviously, the coach is coaching herself. But truly, we had this conversation and it's just interesting and validating also to know that, you know, I'm not alone and feeling that way. And there, there's all these brilliant people out there who don't want to look at their finances, but they absolutely need to because, you know, you and I talk and the other people I've had on this podcast, we talk a lot about legacy, talk of legacy all the time. And as women, I think that is at the forefronts of our mind as moms, especially. And so in order to be able to do that, you have to get honest, right? And, and take a hard look and make adjustments where necessary and releasing that any of it's wrong. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. I think that for a lot of my clients, they may have tried to look at their numbers and had got, and just got completely overwhelmed 
or didn't know what they were looking for, right? You pull all of, all of the data together and then you just have a bunch of data and you're not sure what to do with it. And so for a lot of them, what I find is even the act of hiring someone like me is a huge relief because now they know all of the effort they put into gathering that information is going to have a payoff. They're going to be able to evaluate the information. They're going to be able to figure out what is important to pay attention to, what is not important to pay attention to. And that, you know, for, for people like us, we don't like wasting time and we don't like wasting energy, right? And so sometimes it can be difficult to do this work on your own because it feels like it's futile. I'm pulling all this stuff, but then what do, I, what do I do with it? It just tells me I'm in the red every month. I don't know what that means. Thank you, Mint. That's not very helpful. I guess I'm over the budget, right? So having a trusted advisor to walk through that work with you and to point out, right, the things that are actually important, it's not only a time saver for my clients, it makes them so much more motivated to do it because now they know they're going to get a return on their investment of time and effort and energy. And that makes all the difference in how the process feels and how it, how it feels to actually start making the changes. And it really, it feels more productive than accusatory, if that makes any sense. You know, I feel like oftentimes you like go to your financial or your CPA and they're like, why did you do a test? And what the hell does this mean? And blah, 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 blah. And you're like, oh, no. You know, like you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in front of the firing squad. So this is such a valuable tool because truly, even after our conversation, I was like, okay, now I have action steps that I can take with all of this information that I'm looking at. Because you're right, it felt very overwhelming. I was like, okay, now I'm drowning in numbers and looking at an Excel spreadsheet and I have no idea what any of this means or what I need to do with it. And so just having that person, you know, it's much like a coach, right? Just to be that mirror back to you. You know, you're not going to teach them to win the lottery. You're just mirroring back to them like, hey, maybe you could think about these expenses differently. And if you did over time, look what movement and options that could create in your life. And that, my friend, is very powerful. Do you find that most women who come to you are in the golden handcuffs? Like that's a real true thing that's happening on the daily for you with your clients? You know, it's interesting. I think I work with I work with women and men. I will say the majority of my clients are women. Uh, probably something in my marketing. Um, something about my story uh, resonates with women. But I will say a lot of my clients, they are working in big law, right? So they're working 24-7 shifts. And a lot of where the money ends up going is convenience. And part of that is a survival mechanism, right? They don't have time to be meal prepping on the weekends because they're still working. They don't have time to, you know, plan a great trip, you know, more than last minute because they're working right up until, you know, the flight is supposed to leave if they even get to get on the flight at all. And so what I find is, you know, we end up having a conversation about the things that will change in their own life from an organizational and a planning and a forward thinking aspect that really does open up a lot of changes in terms of where your money ends up going. And so, you know, I have a couple of different categories that I that I consider golden handcuffs, but convenience and basically money that you have to spend because you work so much is a huge category for a number of lawyers. And that was one of my main categories when I was practicing. And so I bring no judgment to the table. My, my top expenses were definitely my house cleaners, right? My child care, somebody 
else to watch my kid so that I can work, my added childcare, right? So that I could maybe actually go to a meal by myself at some point during the weekend. And all of the last minute, everything, shipping, travel, buying back to school clothes during back to school, as opposed to, you know, buying the winter coat, you know, at the end of the winter season for next year. I was always so impressed with those parents that were able to do that. I was, I'm not that mom either. It's okay, Jessica. You, I am on the last minute team too. Amazon's my friend and it's like a blessing and a curse. I'm with you. It is. It's both, right? But so in terms of those are more of the golden handcuffs that I see with my own clients. They are actually created by the environment in which they work. And when you remove them from that environment, many of those handcuffs fall off, right? You don't need to necessarily get a weekly massage if you're not sitting in a chair all day long, if you have time to go exercise, right, in in a way that feels good for you. And so there are all of these things that start to immediately shift when you can put yourself outside of this survival mindset and, to be fair, actual physical environment where you find yourself all the time. And so going through that exercise is really helpful for my clients to see what life could be like on the other side and how it might you they might not need their entire big law salary to fund a life that is perfectly lovely and actually way more fulfilling. That is the key to show people that it's just simple, small habit changes over time that create massive change. It's not doing all of these massive sweeping things. It's literally like taking a look at what we can change on a small scale and doing that consistently over time to create room and movement and breathing room. So then you can create more of those movement spaces. So absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to totally switch gears, which is like not really switching gears because I know that you have got something really exciting cooking up for this too. But Jessica, she attended my retreat. Funny story about her attending the retreat. She and her husband travel around. Well, they're actually on location now. And I think they're there for where they're going to be in North Carolina for a while, but they travel around in their camper. And so she was going to come to the retreat and have her camper. It was in Texas. They were going to be there like in the in the space. It was fine. Well, last minute things changed and she was like, I'm going to fly in. Is it all right? Like, let's room together. And I'm like, all right, we've never met. Let's do this. And it's one of those situations where you're looking at the picture of the house and that's the one picture where like the angle's just enough to where you can't really see how much space you have. So we were bunkmate roomies and it was very fitting that she had been living in a small space prior to this. It was also very go with the flow and accommodating and just like so much fun. But um, that is a completely like side note. But she was at the retreat. She was a speaker at the retreat, attendee at the retreat. And as we talk about empowering women, getting more money in their hands, teaching them that they are actually good with money, that there are options and choices out of this big law, all of this kind of stuff. It's really also getting in rooms with people who show you what's possible and connecting and networking with other women who want the same things as you. So I would love if you would so kindly share maybe some of your experience from the retreat, how that inspired you to do what you're going to do next. No, so um, just so you know, I am built for small spaces now. I've had a lot of training. I'm really good at living in our RV as we've been traveling around the U.S. Um, and now, as Erin mentioned, my uh, my husband is working on his dream. I've been building my dream for the past couple of years, and now it's his turn. He's starting his own vineyard. So we are at a vineyard right now. He's doing an apprenticeship so he can learn all the vineyard things that he needs to know so we can start our own in the mountains of North Carolina, just west of Asheville. So y'all can see us in a couple of years. Give us some time to get that set up. 
you know I'll definitely be there, girl. You just tell me when the first tasting is. That's right. That's right. We're we're so excited. But I was so honored and humbled to be invited to the retreat by Erin. Um, and when I the first time that I talked to her, I knew that this was going to be an amazing experience. Just her energy and the love that she brings to you know wanting to support women lawyers. And so I was an absolute yes from the get go. And I have to say, it was one of my favorite weekends of all time. It really was just this beautiful luxurious yet also comforting and warm space that you created for all of us there. I loved the villa that you chose. The scenery was amazing. The accommodations for all of the other guests were really amazing. (laughs) This is why my love is so deep for this woman, because there are very few people that would roll with me like that. And I love it. That's right. I mean, I love having a funny story about, look, it's like their fifth grade camping trip all over again. Everything's fine. Perfectly fine. Oh, we're totally, we're totally low maintenance. This is my low maintenance dream for myself. Uh, I might not be as low, low maintenance as I think that I am, but I feel like I did a pretty good job that weekend. But I will say there was great programming included. Erin uh, had a number of wonderful coaches who were bringing, who were bringing all different types of information to the attendees from just working on dream careers, working on money, working on your wardrobe, working on all of the things, digital marketing, which really applies to everyone everywhere. But what I loved the most was just the mix of amazing women that you brought together. It was the first time I think that I've ever arrived somewhere and everyone just totally gelled from the get-go. I actually, I shared an Uber with one of our fellow attendees, Renata, from the airport. And we talked literally for 55 minutes straight and just back and forth, you know, just so much resonance of our experiences and our life journeys Even having different journeys, right, and going down different paths, there were so many feelings and emotions that we all shared and could support and witness for each other over the weekend. I think the spaces that you created there for those moments are so important. And the fact that, you know, we're all still in touch and we all continue to support each other. I think there just there needs to be more of that out in the world. And the fact that the curating that you did in terms of choosing the people, you know, that were going to be in the home, in the house together and choosing the things that we would be talking about, the things we would be focusing on uh, and the activities that we would get to do together and time for us to reboost, uh, you know, alone and reflect. It was just an amazing weekend. And I'm so excited that you're doing it again. Thank you. I appreciate that. I, too, even as the host, obviously, I've never done anything. I'd never done anything like that before. Nothing like that had ever really existed in the legal profession. So I just decided to create it and just, you know, said a prayer to God that these women were going to show up and it was going to be magical and everything was going to be, you know, this incredible thing. And it absolutely was. But what I was not expecting for myself is just exactly what you said, that resonance of emotions and experiences with other female lawyers. I truly, I don't think ever in my life have been around that many female lawyers at one time that are literally just there to like support each other. What is your dream? How can I help? Like it took the being attorney like off the table. We took that part of our identity and like shut it at the door. I've never experienced anything like that before. Personally, I felt very seen and understood even as the host. So I'm thrilled to do it again. There needs to be so many more spaces of this happening. But I know you have one that you're working on your own that actually is so applicable to talking about 
after, you know, you take a stroll through Big Law and maybe you're ready to, you know, exit stage left, this is the retreat for these women. So please tell us about this. I'm so excited. I'm very excited to be running a retreat myself in October. Uh, I'm running it with Elena Deutsch. She runs the uh, program Women Interested in Leaving Law. So you can imagine we do a lot of things together. We have a lot of the same clients, but it's October 26th through 29th. And we are revealing the location and the agenda next week on our retreat reveal call. But I will give Erin all the information for anyone listening to this podcast. But it was really important for me to think through. I go on a lot of retreats. Now that I run my own business, I found being an entrepreneur to be very isolating. And especially because I started my business in right at the beginning of the pandemic, I had never really had a lot of opportunity to be around other humans. And if you can't tell, I'm fairly extroverted. So I do love humans and I enjoy being around them. And so I've actually gone on a number of retreats for my own business to support myself as a business owner. And I wanted to bring that experience to my own clients, right? Or to people who feel like they're crazy for wanting to leave law. And, you know, I think that is part of what is going to make this retreat so special. There's a real discomfort for lawyers to show up in a space and not want to be a lawyer anymore. It almost feels like you're a pariah in our own community, right? Like, how dare you not want to suffer what we suffer? How dare you, you know, speak ill of the prestige of our industry, right? How dare you want to leave before you've paid all of the dues that we've paid? And so I think it's really important for folks who might be struggling with that decision or who have made that decision and just don't know how to practically make the leap out to be in a space together so that that is taken off the table. No one is going to call you crazy for wanting to leave. Let's get that straight immediately. We can just focus on getting you a plan to get out and figuring out what that's actually going to look like for you. So I'll be handling the financial piece and Elena will be handling helping you figure out what you actually want to do with your life and giving you those next steps to make it happen. But I think being in a space with other women, uh, it is good just for women lawyers, uh, with other women who are having those same feelings and have that resonance where you don't have to explain why you want to be doing this really big thing is so important for us being able to get to the heart of issues faster. Oh my God, Jessica, that's it. That is the golden nugget. And that is why you put yourself in these rooms. What you just touched on right there was the life-changing thing that happened at the retreat, right? For the first time ever, you are seen, heard, validated. There's nothing wrong with you, nothing You're not crazy for wanting big, audacious things that may be different than what you've been told is what you should want. There is incredible power in just being seen and especially leaving the law. As someone who left the law to be home with my kids, the amount of guilt and shame that I felt about that decision, I literally, like for years, I would be like, well, I was a lawyer, but I'm not anymore. Almost like you quit being an attorney. I never quit. My license is still active. I can go practice law, right? We've just tied our identity so much into that. And the law school narrative, it just beats you down with this toxicity of how you have to go one way. And if you choose to do something different, there's something wrong with you. Thank you for providing space for these women to sit freely, to dream grandiose together. It is so powerful and we need more rooms like that. So I will put all this information in the show notes. 
when Jessica gets it to me. But Jessica, before we wrap up, I always ask my guests two questions. So actually, I didn't tell you this before the call. So this is going to be a little surprise. Okay. So the first question is, what would you tell baby lawyer Jessica? Oh, gosh. I mean, honestly, I would tell her you're going to be okay because she was terrified. I'm talking like shaking in my boots. I have a, I have a picture of me walking across the graduation stage at the Columbia graduation. I'm in my gown and my two kids are in my arms in their own little graduation gowns because my aunt was a preschool teacher. So she actually had like toddler sized graduation gowns. And I remember feeling so proud and so terrified. Like as soon as I crossed this stage, that's it. I'm out of the warm bosom of being in an institution that was there to like kind of protect me from the world and I'm out and it's just us. And so I would probably, I would probably give her a really long hug and let her cry for a while. I would cry with you right now. And I want to tell that woman how freaking proud I am of her. Seriously, just tell her how freaking proud you are and that it is going to be okay. That's incredible. If you happen to not be a single mom of twins when you graduate, what else would I tell you? I would tell you to make sure that you associate with people who are not just lawyers. Yep. We are a very insulated community but with good reason because that's really all we do all day. A lot of us, we just work and then we all work with lawyers and we have lawyers on the other side. And, you know, even when we're working with folks in-house, we're working with the lawyers in-house. If you are interested in, you know, really making sure that you're continuing to give yourself a full perspective, I would absolutely enlarge your community to include people who don't think the same way that you do. Yes. Lawyers think because they work in an office with other lawyers that they have community. And that's like not the same thing, right? Like there's a lot of different life and people and experiences outside those four walls that uh, can really enhance your life. Okay. Next question. This one I love and I can't wait to hear your answer. What is your superpower? Ooh, my superpower. This is so funny. See, I think that my superpower is being empathetic to other people's experiences. And yet my husband is not sure if that is true. <laughs> I would say my superpower is being empathetic to other lawyer experience. I am dead. Our husbands are not allowed to bet on the superpower award, okay? Like, they don't get to bet on the superpower award. This is a self-proclaimed award. I actually do think that my superpower is making people comfortable and enjoy the experience of being in company with me. And that's why I like to do so many live events. That's why I like to, you know, take my clients out whenever I pop into a city uh, I think that I have a I have a really good way of reading people and making sure that they are enjoying themselves and feel comfortable sharing things that they might not feel comfortable sharing with other people. Uh, and so I think I am very good at creating those spaces and I'm really excited to do it even more. That's why you have this unique ability to make an uncomfortable topic very comfortable and make people comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. That is your superpower. I would have Ooh, said the exact same thing. I love it. Okay, Jessica, before we sign off, where can people find you? How can they work with you? Because we know that, listen, we, we need Jessica's services, right? Or we need to go to her retreat. If you are listening and you are like, I do not know if I want to be a lawyer anymore, you need to sign up for Jessica's retreat. So anyway, that's how right. can we you work with you, Jessica? Well, definitely this fall, if you are a woman lawyer who is uh, interested in potentially not being a lawyer anymore, check out all the details on the retreat. But if you are someone who is actually just looking for some one-on-one -on -one help with your own finances, I'll be accepting new clients come this fall. Uh, sadly, all the lawyers took all of my for the summer. 
Uh, but you can find me at www.jessicamedinallc.com. That's my website where you can schedule a consult. You can also get some free resources related to paying off student loans, managing your money, and working through your own mindset about what it feels like to be a lawyer and whether you want to stay there or not. Love it. Jessica, thank you so much for coming on the show. I simply adore you. I cannot wait. So we uh, will hopefully... We wanted to stay in such a small room next time we bunk together. Maybe next time we're roommates, it'll be a little bit more luxurious. Um, but no, I just adore you. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your knowledge. If you loved this show, take a screenshot, share it on social media, tag Jessica and I. Also, if you loved this podcast and you loved this show, give us a follow on wherever you catch your podcasts and be sure to leave a review because you leaving a review helps us get to more female lawyers who we know need this message and just helps one more sister in the law. So thanks so much for tuning in to Powerhouse Lawyers. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening into the Powerhouse Lawyers podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you catch your podcasts. If you loved this episode, I would be so honored if you left a review. And because I know you are the type of woman who wants to see other women win, be sure to share this episode with someone who needs it. By sharing it, you are empowering a fellow sister in the law to know that she is not alone there is nothing wrong with her and that she can build a life and career that she loves. See you next time.